Hey guys, and welcome to Not Another Fitness Podcast, special edition episode, I guess, because it's not two people talking. We're going to have three people talking today. On today's episode, I have Joel Gunterman, who was part of my first episode. So, Joel, welcome. Hey, hey. And I have, uh, Brian, oh, and I have Brian Morales. Uh, haven't, hasn't been on, on the podcast before. I'm going to give him a quick intro because then he's going to get his own episode. I've just extended the offer now in front of everybody, so you can't say no. <laughs> he didn't even know what was happening. That's awesome. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a professor at COC, strength and conditioning coach for the men's soccer team at COC, professor at CSUN as well, kinesiology for all those three, and the creator of Be More Fit. So if you guys are looking to be more fit, he's <laughs> the guy to reach out to. Brian, welcome to... Not another fitness podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Martin. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So we got a bunch of questions and we reduced them to four or five questions. Is that what, is that what we said? Pretty much mm-hmm. we summed them up into four or five questions. And we're going to uh, go over the questions that we got. Brian, do you want to go over, uh, do you want to say your question? And then I'll, I'll say the other questions that we got. So um, we can just kind of tackle them one by one. Yeah, of course. Uh, right. So the question that I got was, um, what are your thoughts on density stacking workouts? Is it an effective approach? Um, so I'm assuming they're pretty much talking about density training and the idea of density. Um, so pretty much my response to the question was just, uh, just that the, the idea of density is just being able to, uh, pretty much conduce all your, uh, training to a certain period of time, yeah. um, you know, so and it can be effective in a lot of different scenarios, but I think the ones that come to mind are probably um, if you're trying to build up work capacity um, or, and then also if you're a little bit limited on time and you only have 20 or 30 minutes to train, you know, you don't want to spend most of your time doing two or three exercises. You might as well just. You just moved yourself, big guy. <laughs> There you um, go. That's what happens when you push the, uh, the space blend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're, um, you're uh, saying um, if you're limited on time. Yeah. I mean, if you're limited on time, you know, you don't want to spend most of your time doing two or three exercises. Uh, you know, you want to get the most bang for your buck and try to squeeze in, um, you know, as much work as you can in those 20 to 30 minutes to maximize time. Yeah, I would, uh, I would just piggyback on that. It's, it's definitely um, a great way, especially like with me, I like to use densities at least once a week um, just because I'm older now, but it's still kind of like uh, Brian touched up on it, but it does build that work capacity. Um, the thing is with me, it also keeps things kind of going, right? Because if, uh, if you are doing um, just regular like strength training or power training programs, it can almost kind of be boring over a time, right? Especially if you write your own program, it can get really boring. So this actually kind of makes it up and um, puts you uh, on the clock a little bit and kind of makes you a little bit more accountable to yourself, right? And so, um, but if anyone is actually curious about density training, just look up the uh, cardio strength training by uh, Robert Dos Remedios. Those, uh, that book covers it pretty well, but um I think when it comes to even athletes and stuff like that, it's, it's huge because not only are you still pushing power and you're still pushing strength, you're actually pushing that, you know, cardiovascular, you know, the aerobic endurance style stuff. Um, but it's really anaerobic anaerobic at the same time, but, um, it does push that envelope and, um, it keeps things fresh and 
again, I think it's probably the best fat burning style of exercise you can do because it's pretty much loaded aerobics. If you think about it that way, right? Like seriously, you're pushing weight, you're pushing 80% of your PR and then, um, you're going as fast as you can only taking breaks when needed, right. Or as fast as you possibly can go when you're doing reps of eight at 80%, you know? So, um, just doing that not only helps you get stronger, it actually, uh, um, I guess you can say burns more fat, right? Uh, what was it? Mike Boyle had a shirt that says like, I'm metabolically disturbed. <laughs> like, so when I think density style training, um, I used to think about that. It's like, ah, oh, metabolically disturbed because when you do it, it's actually pretty cool. Cause if you do it for 20 minutes or 24 minutes, whatever you do in that space of time is you like, you kind of kill yourself. Um, like I've only, I've only blacked out twice um, from working out and both of them were densities, right? <laughs> one was at Dose's house and the other one was in the COC weight room. But, um, literally I blacked out and Dose has a picture of it too. So that's fun. Um, pops up every year to remind me, <laughs> but, uh, um, that's what I'm thinking is like, especially those guys that like Brian already touched on, you're limited on time, the same time you want to like kind of push the envelope. You want to feel strong. You want to feel great afterwards. Like you feel like you want to yak, but I like, 10, 15 minutes later, when your heart rate goes down, you feel awesome. Right. So, um, I think densities are, I think they're probably the best style of workout, especially those that are post athletics, you know, that's one of the things, even I know we had a, I had a lady that was 44 and she would literally do two densities a week outside of her power training. Like she'd do power training two times a week. Then she'd do density child, um, density training two times a week. And like her body flipped, like it was just went from being like a little household mom, to being like she was she was strong she was fast she was powerful it was cool within about a period of like three to six months in that area she totally changed everything um Joe, you kind of touched on it a little bit but um is there certain guidelines you want to follow or um, use for density training it kind of comes down to the the periodization of what you're in on your programming. Um, the easiest way to do it is just think eights, right? Like the most common style of density that I like to do is just um, six exercises, right? So you have your, you can condense it to five. Um, it really depends on how many uh, unilateral to bilateral exercises you do. Mm-hmm. But if you stick with that um, six exercise thing, you know, you have your, your power, um, your, or your explosive, I'm sorry, then you have, your core, your push, pull, your hip hinge, right? So if you look at those six exercises and then you're going to try and accomplish four rounds, right? With, um, doing 80% of your, um, one max PR, right? So 80%, but you're doing eight reps, right? So that's why I always say it's easy to think of forms of eight, right? So you're going, um, you're doing six exercises, but you're doing, uh, eight reps at 80 RP, uh, at 81, um, one max. So that's the easiest way I think to look at it, but it also kind of gauges where you're at because 80% is still a lot of weight. So when you're doing eight reps of 80% at front squats, mm-hmm. that sucks. Right. Or even doing pistol squats or doing like one arm bench or pull-ups, for example, like those are all still really hard. If you're doing reps of eight, especially if you're going to do four rounds, especially when your heart rate feels like it's in your throat. Right. So, um, pushing the envelope that way, that's, uh, the best one you can do, you can do that pretty much anywhere in your periodization. But the more you go down, the more where you're trying to peak, you know, um, trying to hit your one rep maxes and stuff like that, then that's where you would break it down and be like, okay, maybe I'm only going to do five exercises, um, at, uh, five reps. Right. So then you would bump the envelope to, to like, 
you know, uh, 87.5 to 90% of your win rep max, something like that. Right. But that you kind of want to toy with and that one you do more towards the peaking phase of your stuff, you know? Um, but I've done it before and I'm pretty sure you guys have too, when you do your, uh, your five exercises at five reps at a much higher load, but you're also going as fast as you can. Right. Like you can really, really make some stuff happen. And that's just, uh, I mean, just thinking about it right now, it kind of makes me like gag a little bit <laughs> because those things are never fun, but um, like there's other ways you can do it. But the the main one that just to stick with it, especially if it's just someone who's just looking to get fit, looking to build muscle, but also looking to burn fat, you just stick to that. Um, the uh, six exercises for eight reps at 80% going for 24 minutes, just as soon as you hit that start button, you go hard for 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, we always have that thing. The reason we say four is just because that's where the 80% mark comes in. But if say you're going for four rounds, I mean, you're going for 24 minutes, I'm sorry, but you pass and, uh, say you finish, um, four rounds and 21 minutes and you still have three minutes left. That means something you did was too light, right? Maybe you did too many body weight exercises. Maybe you did too many, um, uh, bilateral exercises or something like that. So you kind of got to play with it and just kind of know that's why I always say, Hey, look at that book. You know, I think it's like $11 or 15 bucks in Amazon. Um, again, Robert doses power, uh, cardio, uh, strength training, like mm -hmm. though that's the best book for someone who's just looking to, you know, burn fat and get stronger. Right. So I'm not trying to say like meathead. I'm so I can like, you know, like they want to feel fit. They want to look good, stuff like that. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to find a tangent. I answer what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch up on it. Um, since I know I had a question on it and people might want to use this method, um, you know, it might kind of spark an interest in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so, I mean, Martin was one of my athletes, so, um, he went through, uh, density style trainings, especially when he was in the peak of his athletic career. Um, he could attest, what would you give a couple descriptions on how you, uh, you felt during your density style trainings and kind of the experience you got out of it as an athlete and post athletics. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I played at TLC. Joel was my, Joel was my strength coach. He was the assistant coach for the soccer team as well. And, uh, densities are never fun. They, they're, they're super just mean in the beginning because you look at the board and like, I still remember the first time I ever did a density, I walked in and it was like 24 minutes on the board. And I still, I still remember some of the exercises. It was a uh, pistol squats, with the TRX, I know there was a chin-ups, there was a dumbbell bench, and I, I can't remember the other ones, but um, it's, it's just a great way to get a bunch of work done in a reduced amount of time. So during my athletic career, it, it really made me fit. Like I, I still remember like the first season during my, during my career at TOC, I, I couldn't really go to weight room all the time because I was working in the morning. But then the second season- kind of, You're kind of breaking up. You're kind of, you're kind of like- a gig, 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 gig. What about now? Am I good now? Is it good now? Yeah. 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 So where, where did yeah, I? Yeah, you're better. You're good. You're good. Am I good now? Okay. Where, where did you I? You said when you, uh, yeah, you weren't able, you weren't able to get uh, the strength, the weight room. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, until season? the second season. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So once I hit that second season and, and I was able to go through the entire, uh, the entire like uh, weightlifting uh, program. I remember not getting tired during games and it was kind of, it was kind of like really eye opening. I was like, what the heck, what the heck's going on? Because, um, yeah, like in the beginning weight training, I mean, weight training was never easy, but 
For sure. Uh, density training is one of the best ways to, to get prepped. And I think, I think Joel touched on a very important thing where one of the first questions people always have is, am I going to get strong? Because people are obsessed with getting mm -hmm. strong. So what, 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 what can we say to convince people that they can get strong, Joel, for those people that still have that question? I mean, what do you, what do you mean? Like, how do they get strong or will they? No, so like, I think one of the main, con main concerns whenever like people try to do identity training or one of the questions that I always get asked is, am I going to get strong if, if I use this type of training? And like, I'm glad you touched on it because you, you mentioned a, a woman that you trained who, who did it twice per week uh, with power training and she got yeah. really strong. So um I, like I, I think that really does help clear some of that doubt that people have, which is which is awesome because it's a short amount of it's a short it's a very short time window where you can get very fit, which is I mean best bang for your buck, which is what we're looking for, right? In a busy world. Yeah. Well, you have to also look at the perception that people have, right? Is twenty four minutes is not a lot of time, right? Yeah. So, but when people go to the gym that don't have like a knowledge base behind certain things, right? Like um, they're going to go to the gym for hours and they'll just do reps after reps after reps. And they're just like, well, I don't feel tired. So I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to just push myself. It's like, yeah, but you're really isolating one muscle the entire time. So it's like, if you're going to sit there and do your bicep curls and then be like, all right, that was, you know, 10 minutes. And now I'm going to do, do my leg raises. And that was like 15 minutes or whatever. And then I'm going to go get some water. I'm going to be on my phone. I'm going to do some <laughs> ab crunches. It's like, yeah, the reason you're not getting tired is because you're only doing one specific body part, right? So like when you're using one specific body part, the rest of your body is resting, right? So the style of training that um, we normally like to do and stuff like that is, you know, we call it like the full body training where mm -hmm. it's like, I'll push my upper body or, you know, a pulling exercise, I'll go right into a pushing exercise, right? So we go back and forth. So our body doesn't get so much rest. So we actually, we empty the tank a lot faster than when normal people, when they think about going to the gym and they just want to pretty much waste a lot of time where I'm like, if you can't get your full exercise done with warm up and cool down and, you know, finisher and like, just, you know, punching yourself in the teeth during your workout, it should only take about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, it shouldn't be that long, but people don't see it that way. When they see 24 minutes, they're just like, okay, yeah, if I go for 24 minutes and then what it's like, well, you should be crawling is really how it should be done. Right. Yeah. But, um, a lot of people don't have that mental capacity, right. That's why they pay a coach because the coach is the one that knows the information. But, um, when it comes down to getting stronger and stuff like that, I really think it depends on the person and depends on the mindset and it really depends on their goals. Right. Like if I have, uh, if I have like an elderly man or something like that with a knee replacement or something like that, he comes into the mix. I'll probably not throw him on a density training right away because his goals are probably not to be like, Hey, I want to get super fit and super strong. It's like my knee really hurts and I'm really tired and I can't breathe really well, you know? So it's like, okay, let's, let's change it up. So, um, but those that are specifically looking, you know, are interested in that. Um, cause I think the question was, uh, that Brian had was they're asking about it specifically to density training. It's like, yeah, if you do density training, you do it right. You're going to get more fit. You're going to burn fat and you're going to build muscle. You're going to get stronger. Like when I say build muscle, I'm not saying like you're going to be massive, right? That's not the whole point. Right. Um, if you want to do bodybuilding, that's a whole different rep scheme. That's a whole different programming, but densities are made to pretty much, um, condense your full power training exercise that would normally take anybody from, you know, 45 to 50 minutes to an, to an hour and 10 minutes, somewhere in there to jam pack it into 24 minutes. Right. So it's like, 
I'll take a regular power training program that I do where I alternate exercises, like supersetting exercises that are the exact same, same reps, same weights, everything in a 45 to 50 minute workout. I'll do those exact same reps, exact same exercises, and I'll put them in a density, put me on the clock and my whole world goes upside down. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the same thing. It's just worked differently. Right. So um, yeah, you will get stronger by like, if you do it correctly and you have the right pieces in place and especially like the, the also comes down to the exercises you choose. If I'm going to do all body weight exercises, it's going to take me a lot longer to get stronger. Right. If I'm going to do all loaded exercises, you know, it's like, yeah, you'll get stronger. You're probably not going to be moving as fast, you know? So there's, you know, there's all these little variables that fall into place. That's why it's, it's a science, right? It's not just we're throwing sh um, shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks. It's actually, there's science behind it, you know? And it's a good thing that you brought it up, Joel, is because if you're working at 80%, that means you're working on a scale to one to 10, you're working at, at an eight, right? So that's a pretty high intensity, yeah. um, to, to get you strong, or that's a strong enough intensity to get, to get you strong. Um, and then, like you said, like the exercise selection and then the way you order the exercises is going to play a big role in terms of how high you can keep that intensity. So, yeah. And also I like the exercises do play a big role because if I say, when I say 80%, you know, and someone's like, all right, but I'll throw in plyo pushups. Right. So I could do eight plyo pushups, you know, I could probably do them and then wait five minutes and do it. Like it's, it's not the, that's not 80% of my overall, you know, strength I can give in a, in a push exercise. But if I'm doing like a super heavy, you know, weighted pull up or chin up or something mm -hmm. like that, or doing a heavy dumbbell row or, you know, doing a heavy, you know, overhead press or something like that. If you're throwing in a heavy weighted exercise that you're also doing, especially if you're doing it like upper body dominant, then I want to counter that with something that's a little bit more explosive, a little bit faster, but it's still hard, right? Cause I'm not going to sit there and say, I'm just going to do, you know, elevated pushups where my hands are on a box for eight, because that's going to, that's, that's not high intensity. Right. So maybe I'll even elevate my feet and maybe wear a weight vest and then do my pile pushups. And then that pushes the envelope a little higher. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then you, um, I know you brought up, uh, like pistol squats, right? Like there are people out there that can puzzle out pistol squats, like, it's nothing, right? So it's like, okay, well, how do you make it more difficult? You can add weight or you can go with tempo. Obviously, in a density, you can't go with tempo, so you got to add weight. But there's only so much weight you can add to a, to a single like pistol squat. Mm -hmm. But like I'll do two RX, like TRX shelks are one of my favorite exercises ever, right? So if you don't know what that is, just a hamstring curl on the uh, TRX uh, suspension trainer. But again, now that's not a hard exercise. It's not 80%. But again, if I'm doing heavy front squats or if I'm doing lunges or something like that, then it's good to offset it with a, I guess you can say a lower volume of exercise, but then the next time I do it, I'm going to flip it. Right. So if I did, um, plyo pushups and then I did a heavy chin up, then the next time I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to do a really heavy press and I'm going to do a lighter pull. Right. So I'll do a TRX pull and I'll do like a heavy bench or, or a heavy overhead press, something like that. Right. right. So you got to be smart with it. That's why I say there is, you know, there is a method behind the madness. So, like you don't want to go in there and be like, I'm going to do my 80% one arm dumbbell bench. And I'm going to do my 80%, <laughs> you know, reverse lunge. And I'm going to do my 80%, per you know, it's like, right. all right, dude, good luck. <laughs> Have fun. I'll see right. you in 20 minutes when you hit the, uh, you hit the <laughs> tap out button. <clears throat> so, well, I mean, when you're picking exercises, um, like body wear exercises, you kind of have to be like, I guess you kind of have to have experienced those exercises before. So you know exactly how they feel. Um, and I guess that's kind of what, 
plays a big role in some of my programming as I know exactly some of the exercises that I choose and how intense they can get, um, especially because if you look at a bodyweight exercise, you're like, oh, that's they might be easy for you or for a particular person. But if you program it for, you know, somebody like an elderly, um, you know, that 80 percent or that bodyweight exercise can be at an 80 percent intensity for that person. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean. And you also also have to factor in like the explosive um, element of it, right? Like a kettlebell swing is not 80% of my explosive capacity, but nor is a box jump or nor is a medicine ball toss or something like that, a rotational throw. But at the same time, those are great explosive things. If you feel that you're giving yourself 100% to each exercise you do, especially if it's a lower volume of exercise, then it's still fine. It still works, right? You're still putting out 100% effort right? The load is only if like, if you're doing a weighted exercise and your max you want to do is like an 80%, right? So, um, so yeah, you just got to be smart in the ones you choose. But again, that's why you got to read the book or hire a coach. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times people ask, you know, like we get messages asking, Hey, what do you think about this? It's like, they're great. That's all I would say. Like, right. If someone's like, what do you think about density exercises? I'm like, they're great. But it also depends on your goals. Like, mm-hmm. are you looking to, like, what are you looking to do? <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of questions go behind it. But when you go into straight density style training, when it comes to fat loss and strength gain and um, like balance and core and all that stuff, trying to make sure that your body is prepped, you know, just being a regular person, right? Then, yeah, I think they're phenomenal. How many, how many times per week would you, would you say is, is, uh, is the limit to do density training? Because I know sometimes people want to do it like a bunch of times, but um, what would you say is a, the rule of thumb? Again, I, I would say it comes down to the, to the goal of the person and stuff like that. You know, like I always have to emphasize that. Like if I, cause when someone goes, Oh, I like running and running birds fat. So I think the more I run, the better, um, more fat I'll, I'll gain. And so it's like, or the more fat I'll burn. It's like, well, at some point it's going to stop, right? You're not going to be able to burn as much fat because of the load and stuff like that mm-hmm. and the distance and the, and your body adapting. So, um, it really just depends, right? Like the way I like to do it is if, if you are, um, working out like three times a week, I would say one, right. I would do my strength because the whole thing is I, you always look at what's the number one thing to go when it comes to fitness is your power is your power is the first thing to go. Right. right. Um, and then strength, right. And then all that stuff. But so I'm like, okay, so I work on power every day. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to do hang cleans, med ball, mud ball tosses, kettlebell swing, whatever I would do for my power. Right. Um, I focus on that and focus on strength and then look at what my body needs work on or what my client needs work on. If they need, you know, work on hip flexors or lower back or shoulder, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Focus on those things, but um, at least get two days of your, I'll say, correctional, you know, fitness in. But then when it comes to your, you know, punch in the face kind of days, I would say maximum two, right? Like so that that lady that I trained, I would do, I would do her strength and power on Monday, Tuesday, and then I would give her a day off, and then she would do um, her uh, density and circuit training days on uh, Thursday, Fridays. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what we would do. And then she was, I didn't see her on Saturday, Sunday. So, um, I mean, if you want to do it every day, there's nothing wrong with it. It really isn't. Yeah. I would say that it's, it's harder to push your loads, right? Like if you really want to see change in strength that you will get stronger, 
Um, but it's not going to be like at some point, like you're going to hit that threshold and then you're going to want to go into, you know, a hypertrophy phase and a strength and a power. And you want to get into those phases. So, right. You want to build strength. So in order to do that, you have to adapt your loads and adapt your strength training. Um, so that's how I would say it. Like mm. it really depends, but, uh, if you did one once a week inside your regular work capacity of strength training and uh, correctional exercises, that's fine. Even twice a week, um, do it every single time. Again, it depends on your goals. Right. And I think it also has to play in terms of how fast the, the individual is able to recover. You know, like I said, some of these workouts can get a little bit, higher on the intensity scale, you know, and yeah. if the individual isn't recovering fast enough, you, it's probably not a good idea to go back to back on a Monday, Tuesday of just density, density yeah. training. Yeah. And also, I mean, you could even say, um, just picking back that it'd be, um, experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to make sure they have the experience in the training in, in the, uh, power output in the envelope that you're going to push them because if, if this is a first time client, you put them through a density training, you just lost a client. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> can you imagine that like first time person walking into class and <laughs> going full 24 minute density. <laughs> okay. So first and, uh, and those can, uh, uh, Robert's, uh, I mean, uh, so Martin's last podcast host, he was, um, my boss for three and a half years. So his, my very first week was like hell week. I did so many wrong things, but the first thing I, one of the things I did is I had, uh, I had my intro day, right? So I tell everybody the rules in the class and stuff like that. And I was like, make sure you have breakfast. Right. Mm-hmm. I said that. And so this kid comes in and I actually put him through like a light density, but a light density to me is different than the average Joe. And he ended up just throwing up a breakfast burrito. And I'm talking hallway outside. It was all over the place. Right. When dose was getting to work, like he was walking up and he was just like, what is going on? And then, um, afterwards the kid comes in and I'm like, dude, what did you, what happened? And he's like, well, you told me to, you told me to breakfast. So I, I had a breakfast burrito. I'm like, when he goes about 15 minutes before I came and then the kid left and then dose turns to me and he goes, what did you have to do today? I'm like a density. And he's like, dude, on day on week one, you had a, what are you thinking? And he kind of gave me my, you know, my lesson yeah. learned, but yeah, I was just like, yeah, maybe not do that. You set the tone for the semester. Yeah. Right. Hey, I didn't lose a, I didn't lose a, a student. So there we go. <laughs> they had to do it for a grade. They already paid for the class. <laughs> They're gonna get their money worth. <laughs> exactly. Well, the kid yeah, that wasn't an athlete. It was a kid. Yeah, uh, the kid. He. I don't know if he. I don't know if he came back. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. That was my. That was a long time ago. That was over. That was like ten years ago. All right. Did you think we uh, hammered that density one into the into the ground a little bit? Yeah, I think we uh, we covered all our bases. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to it, Martin? Uh, no, 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 no. You, you, I think you guys, you guys did a great job. Um, so you're making my job at most super simple. <laughs> Here, yeah. Here's here's the next question. Um, All right. Here we go. Um, how do you well, like? What do you guys recommend in terms of staying motivated during the holidays? That's a good one. Um, well, I mean, motivation. Like, so I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched the video. Uh, by Jocko, um, 
by Jocko Wilkins. Wilkins yeah. was I was book right over here. I don't know his last name. Anyway, so if he has he has a he has a video on motivation, right? Okay. He hates the word motivation. So if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Watch it. But it literally talks about motivation comes from the word motive, and your motive is your goal, right? So the way I stay motivated through the holidays is what is my goal? If my goal is to lose weight, then I need to eat better and I need to stay on part of my working out. If I want to, you know, be strong or whatever like that. So I got to make sure I'm on top of my working out and I meet them, right? Like to stay motivated, you got to think about your goals and then you actually just got to stay disciplined. Right. And that just, uh, that's about developing the habits. Right. So if you're not working out every day or if you're not eating correctly, if like, I mean, you guys know, like how, what is it, how many days does it take to break a habit? And test you guys. Is it 90 days? No way. Heck no, man. Three takes three days, three days to break a habit. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, think about it right now. There's so many people that are off work this week just because of Christmas and then New Year's next week. Right. That if they decide to take, say they take Christmas off or New Year or Christmas or even New Year's Day off, or not Year's, what I'm talking about, Christmas Eve day and then Christmas and the day after, right? That's three days. Your your habits are broke, right? Like you're you have to get back into the to the rhythm of waking up early and going working out or whatever it is, right? So mm-hmm. to stay motivated, you just gotta you just gotta stay true to your habits, right? You gotta be disciplined. Um, yeah. I think a big part of that just has to do with just prioritizing what you want to accomplish. Um, I don't know where I heard this, but it, it just stuck with me and it referred back to making your bed, you know, and I think the, the guy that I, I mean, heard from, he was just talking about, you know, if you give yourself, I don't know, till lunchtime to make your bed, you're probably not going to make your bed. But if you prioritize making your bed as soon as you get out of bed, um, you're probably going to get it done as soon as you get it done or as quickly as you can. Um, so I think the same can be said for, you know, like fitness goals or, or just staying motivated through the holidays, you know, even if it's just 20 to 30 minutes of exercise, as long as you prioritize those 20 to 30 minutes and you have to squeeze it in wherever you can, I think that's a big part of just staying motivated and, you know, just, I guess, crushing your workouts during, during the holiday season. Yeah, you could also like, think about it this way. How do you feel after you eat a dozen cookies, <laughs> right? Like you probably don't feel very good, right? Or like, how do you feel after you have a mat? Like, I mean, after Thanksgiving, that dinner for me, like I was like, oh, like I needed water. Like I was tired, I had a headache. Like I don't eat like that, right? So now I know going into Christmas that I'm like, all right, this dinner is not like, like I already know what we're having. Like I already know what I'm bringing. I know what I'm giving, like all that stuff. So I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy on the, on the portions this year. Right. So it's like, cause when you get to that point where you're so, when you're, I guess you can say where your lifestyle has changed, especially when it comes to your habits, when it comes to training, right? Like if I don't train in the morning, even if it comes to like doing, like just doing like simple FRC stuff or going and like doing some kettlebell work or sandbag or whatever it is, I feel like crap the rest of the day. Right. So I think when Brian brought up the whole, make your bed. Right. So if you, if you wake up and you complete that task, as soon as you wake up, you set yourself up the rest of the day to complete other tasks. Right. So, but again, if you wait until midday to do a task that will complete, like you're going to struggle the rest of the day. Right. Cause you're just kind of unmotivated. Mm-hmm. So like, I just think about the, the input and output, like, how am I going to feel if I put this in? My output will be what, <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, but again, like you don't, and 
it really, really is. I forgot what the, I think the book is called the anti-diet. The anti-diet talks about, it's like cultural eating, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, I mean, I come from like a, like Kansas, you know, country family, right? So it's like, so when it comes to holidays, it's like butter on top of wheat on with milk, you know? So it's just, so that's the culture we're eating. So I'm going to put myself in the environment of the culture of which I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, the Hispanic culture, same thing, right? Like you're going to go, you know, there's going to be tamales and tequila, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to, that's going to be there. So it's like, it's hard to say no. It's really, really hard to say no. So it's like, all right, well, you could do one of two things. You can stay disciplined or not go. (laughs) Right. But you're going to go. So might as well just be disciplined. Right. But, um, I also think like it's, you shouldn't torture yourself. Right. Like I know I'm going to, you know, have cake and I'm going to have whatever, like I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to do it in portion. So it just, uh, you know, it comes down to really just kind of making your habits and then making sure you're disciplined that you're staying on top of those habits. Right. Like that's how I would look at it. The holidays are hard. That's actually a really, really good question. Yeah. But I think one of the, uh, the important things is that as long as you have a habit going into the holidays, it's a lot easier to develop, or it's, it's a lot easier to maintain that habit through the holidays rather than trying to, yeah. you know, develop a habit halfway through Thanksgiving and, and Christmas um, where it's nearly impossible to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I also think it's like, I think people freak out when like when it, it is Thanksgiving or Christmas or, or like during the holidays and they tend to overeat. Um, they get into this mindset where like all the progress that they've made is all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden lost. Yeah, and um, I I think it's important for us to to speak to this whole idea of like you spent an entire year trying to make progress and you've you've been consistent. Like a few days of not eating well is not going to all of a sudden make you lose this progress. But then again, like you guys said, it's like it's very important to to just kind of be honest and be aware of what you're going to do, and then continue doing those right things of of training at whatever time it is that you train and making sure that you're having your water to stay hydrated. Because I think oftentimes people just they feel hungry because they're dehydrated and like they don't take that into consideration. So mm-hmm. it's really important to stay on top of those things. And, and again, like don't beat yourself into the ground. If, if you do have like those two or three extra, extra uh, tamales that you weren't planning on eating, it's, it's okay. You're probably going to feel it the next day, but Hey, like, it's not <laughs> the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, one of the really, it's like, I remember, I forgot who I heard this from, but like, if you really want to make it real, like if you, if you really want to put yourself in a position where you're not going to mess up is write it all down. Right. So like literally carry a little book with you and it's like, okay, like I just ate a cookie. I just, I just, you know, mm-hmm. had a piece of cake or I just had a, you know, a whole sandwich, you know, just write it down. And so that way, like, if they're like, well, I'm not hungry, but you know, I want to hang out with everybody and look at your book and be like, damn, that is a lot. <laughs> Maybe I should, I'm not going to have anything right now. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, I mean, that's one way to do it just to kind of make sure that you're staying on track. And then, um, the other big one is like, you know, the checklists, right? So it's like, if the, a good way to stay motivated is just making sure that before you go to bed or even like Sunday, right? Like the big thing that I've learned recently that I've been trying to do is time blocking, right? Like, um, literally a lot of us, we're just lazy and we think things take longer than they really do. But if, if you were to sit down Sunday night, right. And you were to go through your phone, um, or write it on a piece of paper, whatever it is, say, okay, like Monday morning, um, wake up at five, uh, like, 
uh, have my shake by 5.30, and then I'm in the car to the gym at 6. I'm at the mm-hmm. gym from 6 to 7, and then from 7 to 7.30, I get my Starbucks or whatever, and I get home. And then from 7.30 to 8, I shower. From from 8 to 9, I read You know, from 9 to 10, whatever. So if you do that, if you actually put it in there, you'll realize everything you want to get done for the day will only take like three hours a day. Right. It, it won't actually take that long. So it's pretty unique when you do that because it's like after all that, and it's like after I read and I do like kind of all my self prep stuff, right? By eleven o'clock I'm done. I'm just like, well, what do what do I gotta do now? Like what's uh check out my emails or let's do something, right? So um if someone were to do that and just be honest with themselves, so like, okay, I know the holidays are coming up like Christmas day, like Christmas day, wake up at five 30 or six o'clock, whatever you want to do. And then, you know, what time are you going to have your breakfast? What time are you going to have your, your training? What, you know, just do that and be like, you can actually accomplish a lot, even though it's Christmas day. And I know it's the holiday and stuff like that, but it's like a lot of the time you're just sitting there doing nothing, watching a Christmas story. Right. So it's, <laughs> Or the Santa Claus, my personal favorite. Yeah, Santa, mine is a Christmas vacation. That one's my personal favorite. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if if you do, what, what is your favorite, Martin? I'm just curious. Christmas episode of The Office, like the first one where Michael buys uh, Ryan an iPod. Oh, yeah. It's like, what is like, yeah, giving a gift is the best way to tell someone how much you like them. It's like, <laughs> hey, man, I like you this many dollars worth. <laughs> exactly. So, but like, just if you, if you do the time blocking, that's the best way that I would say to stay motivated because you can actually look at your day and be true to yourself and be like, this is what I'm going to do every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the eating will take care of itself. If you do the activity in which you say that you're going to do, that's mm-hmm. probably a really, really great way to stay motivated, you know? And then also the another way to look at it is they're not the only person in this boat, right? There, there is someone, there's a friend, there's a family member, there's someone else that doesn't want to get off track just like them. And I guarantee you, if they would ask somebody that someone that they don't even know what their goals are, they would say, yeah, I'll do it with you. That sounds mm-hmm. like a good idea. I don't want to be a lazy effing whatever, you know, all the way through the new year. Let's do it. So yeah, that's how I would stay motivated. Make someone else do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, there you go. That, that answers the question, time blocking, organizing your day. Uh, and then more importantly, staying true to, to that list, respecting the list, right? Because it, I mean, it's not going to be worth anything if you just write it down and then just completely forget about it. So yeah, um, staying true to that uh, list, that's how you guys stay motivated. So I hope that answered that question. <laughs> but don't be afraid to indulge, you know, it is the holidays, have fun. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be a lot worse is if you try to beat yourself up over it rather yeah. than just using that time that you're beating yourself up over it rather than or and then using that time to kind of develop a new habit and then you know just trying to start off with like i guess like a new year's resolution i guess you'd say yeah well just yeah just say that this year's new year's resolution is not to get fit and stay healthy <laughs> don't use that as your scapegoat that the next two weeks you're just gonna do whatever you want until 2021, which miraculously, I don't know if you know this, but everything one on January 1st, everything is going back to normal. Apparently. Okay. okay. I, I, yeah. I know yeah you I'm know so that. hoping for it. <laughs> <laughs> Posting 2021 is going to be their year. Like I've seen that meme go around a lot. Like yeah. 2021's your year. Like, are you guys scared? Yeah. I mean, I, I was telling someone like, 
So the whole like 20, I know we're going off a little track, but 2020, right? So everyone, you think of that 2020 is vision, right? Like yeah. that's what's your vision. So I'm like, literally this year, 2020 was a year of perspective. What was important? What wasn't, you know, it's like, you know, where does your time go? Where does your money go? Where does, you know, it's like 2020 definitely was a year of perspective. Mm-hmm. 100%. I hadn't thought about that. That's, I'm going to start telling people that I'm getting right. the positive way to, yeah. to make this awful year look positive. <laughs> Staying positive, true. man. Yeah. Optimism. Yeah. All right. So, uh, is that two, is that two down? Two. You got a few more. Next question. Best way to lose fat. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Bulimia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're gonna ask best way. I'm just saying. Are they talking about the healthiest way? That's a yeah, different. the healthiest way to lose fat. All right, why don't you start this one? Uh man. So, or or Brian either one. Because <laughs> me and Brian no, talked a lot. Let's let, let's let Mark one. There's so many ways to go about it. Um, I guess I, you can also so you can break it down like yeah what like if you're doing it for athletics so if you're doing it for health if you're doing it for whatever you know right. sorry go ahead I think from a training perspective I think uh, once again it kind of goes back to the whole idea of density and, and um, you know trying to get a, a lot accomplished in a short period of time um, you know raising your heart rate so one of the I guess like from, from a physiological standpoint, the way you lose fat, like have you ever, has anybody ever asked you like, Oh, you know, what, what happens to your fat, um, in weight loss? Like, do you guys have any idea? Like you want me to be a scientific or do you want to be like, just like what happens to your fat? You burn it for energy. That's uh, that's what I tell people. So ketosis. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, with fat loss, um, a part of it has to do with energy expenditure, but also with uh, respiration. So with fat loss, one of the, I guess like the key drivers of fat loss is uh, respiration. So you have to be able to uh, breathe carbon dioxide, and then that's going to excel the carbon molecules that make up uh, fat molecules. Right. So um, with, if your main job is just to lose fat, I would say you want to do an activity that's going to raise your heart rate um, and maintain it at a high level for a long duration of time. And that's going to drive fat loss. Um, so I think from a, from a training perspective, if you're just looking to, to lose fat, I would do something like a density, you know, like, which is what we mentioned earlier. Um, that's going to be at a high intensity. And then, it's going to keep your heart rate pretty elevated. Um, and I think, you know, if you're short on period or if you're short on time, that's, that's a great way to attack your, your training perspective. So what would you, what would you uh, say for the people that are listening that like your, your knowledge is way above my head on this. So I'm just going to break this down in layman's terms. Um, what is, what would you say is uh, keeping your high, heart rate high, right? Like, I mean, I know people that get off the couch and they start sweating and they're like, my heart rate's up, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, it's like, normally it's like, okay, your maximum heart rate is 220 minus your age, right? Mm-hmm. So um, like, would you break down that maybe percentages, maybe percentages by time? um are you talking about like when you're actually programming something like this in a, in a sense because right like um, 
you don't have to really even break it down by that. But if like, if someone's listening to this and like, okay, so Brian's saying to keep my heart rate high, right? Mm -hmm. Like what would you say is a high heart rate, right? For, you know, it's like, if you're going at 60%, you know, you're probably just jogging, right? So it's like, okay, what would you push that envelope? What would you give the person recovery, right? Because if they're like, oh, I just need to run really, really hard for as long as I can, they're probably going to throw up or pass out on you, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe give uh, the listeners just a little bit of perspective on uh, kind of what they're looking for. If they're looking to do pretty much heart rate training is kind of what you're talking about. So, you know, densities do that because it has load and load is a great way to build intensity to get that heart rate up. But um, say this, say they want to go out and run sprints, you know, or say they want to work hard for just a certain amount of time. What would you say? Uh, man, uh, we're, we're going to start with this one. Um, so I think one of the, one of the first things that they taught us when I was going through my undergraduate degree was, you know, if you're, if you're looking for some type of, if you're, if you're trying to measure intensity, um, I guess objectively, one of the easiest ways to do about it or to, to measure it is to um, see if you can have a conversation with somebody. Um, I don't that's, know. If you, that's awesome. Actually, I'm going to write that down. Keep talking. <laughs> right, so, hypothetically, let's say you're working with a training partner and you guys go out for a walk. Um, if you guys can keep conversation while you guys are walking, the intensity is probably not high enough. Um, and then on the other side of the, on the other side of the coin, you know, let's say for example, you're going up like a really heavy, steep hill. Um, and then by the time you get, maybe you're like walking for like, I don't know, 30 seconds and the, the hill is so steep that you can't even make it all the way up to the top just cause the intensity is so high and you start breathing really heavy. Uh, at that point, I think the intensity is going to be really extreme and you're not going to be able to maintain that intensity for a long duration of time. Um, you know, so you want to find somewhere in that middle point where you're, you can have a conversation with somebody, um, or excuse me, you can't have a conversation with somebody, but then at the same time, you're able to maintain a, I guess like an elevated heart rate for a long duration of time. Um, I think that that sweet spot will, I guess, kind of be like your fat burning zone. Right. No, I like that because I mean, having conversation with people and you have to talk about respiration, you know, everybody knows that feeling where they're trying to talk, but they're so tired that hey, they can't do it. Right. Um, I mean, other ways to look at it is just doing that real life training is doing the real time. I'm sorry. is doing something with a heart rate monitor is also a good one to do. Right. And then, uh, we used to do one that would be like a high endurance explosive exercise. You know, if you're thinking, you know, uh, kettlebell swings or even like muscle snatches or something like that, like I know it's like muscle snatches at a lightweight. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then maybe doing, uh, um, pushing the sled or doing, um, like jam balls and stuff like that. Uh, sandbag clean press that you look at your heart rate and then it's like, okay, once I hit, you know, 85 to 90% of my threshold on my heart rate, mm -hmm. you know, I stop, right. I stop, I put it down and then I let my heart rate drop all the way down to like under a hundred or like around 110, and then boom, I go again. Right. So you have these giant spikes, right. You want those giant, giant spikes. So there are those people that, um, cause I mean, I can go for a jog right now and after about an hour, I will be hard for me to talk. You know, so I'll be like, ah, okay. Ugh. You know, it's just because my body's just fatigued, but at the same time, now I'm not really burning as much fat as I would like. You want those spikes, right? So it's like, um, 
you really want to have those really, really high intense exercises and then you want to let it drop down to rest, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like, if you're doing a high, high intense exercise, you want that rest. A lot of people think rest is for the week, but that's where the recovery really happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where the magic happens. I'm sorry. So if you're going to do something like a, like a suicide on a basketball court, right? A suicide on a basketball court, say a really in shape person takes them 30 seconds, mm -hmm. right? You want to times that by 12, right? So you're looking at taking mate. Like, I mean, this is for like the non whatever, but like, you're looking at maybe doing, uh, what is that? Three, no, it's more than three minutes. So it'd be what, like four six? minutes. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I'm not doing math in my head. <laughs> what is it? Well, cause I know the ratio. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I want to say it's eight to 12, right? Or is it 10 to 12? But anyways, uh, it falls somewhere in that cat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you're doing 30 seconds on a suicide, you want to give them a little bit of a break because mm -hmm. their power output is going to be really, really low if you start them early and then they're not going to be able to get that high spark a spike again. Right. You want that power output to be high. So you want to give them that break. You want to give them that one to 10 or one to 12 ratio of rest. Right. Um, really depending on the, if you're watching heart rate or if you're looking at the exertion that they're giving, right. Because sometimes they're not, they're only given 80%. Right. So if it's like 80%, I'm going to drop you down. So you're only going to get about, you know, one to eight recovery or whatever it would mm -hmm. be, or a one to six. So, um, the big thing is that recovery is you need it. Right. So if you're going to do a really, really high output exercise, you know, uh, sprints or hill climbs or sleds or whatever it is. Right. Um, let your body recover. And you'll know when it's time. Right. A lot of times people are like, okay, I'm good to go. It's like, all right. You know, like they'll okay. know and there's time. Like I need, I need 10 more. Give me, <laughs> give me a little bit more time. Right. So it's like, listen to your body. That's a huge one. But I think, um, Brian pretty much nailed it when it's talking about that heart rate stuff. Right. So yeah. the, the more elevate, the, the higher you get your heart rate, the, the better, but you got to think realistically, if your if your power output's coming down, then you're not really achieving your goal. You should really be trying to push that power output. So mm -hmm. I love the aerosol bike, man. Aerosol bike is amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, and what's really cool about it is that you can kind of uh, measure your power output. And then as soon as you start seeing that your power output starting to decrease, um, you know that you're not giving yourself enough rest. And if you're not giving yourself enough rest, you know you're not going to be able to maintain that same power output for, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes. Um, so. And the, the question was about fat loss, right? Right. All right, so outside of the exercise realm, I mean, we can come back to it, but it really comes down to, again, the diet is huge, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, just making sure that you're eating like whole foods, not at whole foods, I'm saying eating, <laughs> you know, whole based foods and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if you change your diet, right, like that's, that's the biggest key, right? Cause, um, I mean, what is this like 85% of fat loss is diet. Like, right. you know, you can push yourself as hard as you want, but if, if you're not eating correctly, you're not putting the right stuff in your body, mm -hmm. it's just, it's not going to work out. Right. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, and again, that's just a whole mindset thing. I found out like if you haven't read atomic habits, right. Atomic habits is awesome, but it talks about having that mindset, right. For if I want to lose weight, there's certain things I shouldn't eat and I know it. Mm -hmm. but we do it anyways. We automatically do it anyways. Right. So, um, instead of saying I'm someone like, like fast food is a huge one. Right. So it's like, or like sugar, we'll say just sugar in general. Um, mm -hmm. so it's like, instead of someone saying I'm trying not to eat sugar or I'm trying to not eat as much, or I'm not trying to eat sugar or something like that. It's actually a mindset of saying I'm trying not to do it, but it's okay if I do. Yeah. Right. So you have to, switch your wording and say, I'm someone that doesn't eat sugar. Hmm. 
right? So if you say it like that, then when it comes to it, right, if someone's like, hey, do you want some candy? Instead of saying, ah, I'm trying not to eat candy anymore, um, I'll just take a little bit, right? You're going to say, no, I don't eat candy. And then most time people go, oh, okay, you know, and they just pull it away. So if you change your mindset to that and saying like, I only eat whole foods, right? Mm -hmm. So I only eat, I don't eat um, uh, processed foods. I don't eat that stuff, uh, whatever. It's like that actually, or I only eat small portions or I eat slowly, right? So if you, Mm -hmm. if you put that into your head and you say those things, right? right, Then, I mean, everything changes. Like it feels like overnight. Right. Especially in, and I think Mark talked about the hydration, like that's mm-hmm. huge too. Right. Yeah. And I think just another, I guess like another category that you can kind of go into is uh, the idea of sleep. And I think Martin uh, touched on it earlier um, is the idea of hydration. You know, if you're not hydrated, you know, halfway through the day, you feel like you're a lot hungrier just because you're not hydrated. I don't know if you're running like on two hours of sleep, um, same idea. So I think fat loss is very, like there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Um, but I think as long as you kind of, uh, I don't know, maintain a balanced diet, exercise daily, and pretty much keep that consistency, um, I think uh, that's a good starting point. Yeah, it's a good cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Martin? Give us some fat loss info. I think you guys just, I mean, I think you guys nailed it and covered everything pretty well. And I'm glad you guys mentioned this, this whole idea of, of intensity being key for, for fat loss, because I mean, how many times do you guys see it uh, like in the gym or just people posting stories of them going on these like super long runs like that's this steady, uh, steady state cardio where um, obviously like intensity is going to be key, but within intensity, we need that rest. Um, and if you're doing that, you also have to be eating well, because obviously you need the fuel to be able to work out at intense, um, at intense levels. And then you need to sleep well, like Brian said, and you need to be hydrated. So it's, it's like a combination of everything. There's like, it's, it's no secret, but then people kind of think like there's this like magic pill. I feel like they, they just consistently ask. So we're like, dude, just take this pill and you're going to lose a, a bunch of fat. But it, it, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's not hard, but it's just uh, sometimes it's a bit inconvenient, especially like again during the holidays, right? Nobody want like it's hard to say no to to the sh- to sugar or or tamales or whatever it is that whatever your weakness is, it's it's hard. But my, that's where mindset comes into play, and you have to you have to understand what's more important, right, and what your goals are at the end of the day. So I think mm-hmm. this question is pretty much covered as well. So do you guys want to add anything well, else? I do want to add that if if say someone wants to go on a run or something like that, or if they feel cardio is the answer, it's not the wrong answer, right? Like I'm not saying like heart rate training is more beneficial, right? Like it just is like, you can't, we can't knock it. You can't knock the science. But if say someone is wants to go running and that's what they do and that's what they enjoy, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it just, it might take longer to lose it. Right. Because like, if you have someone who's fit, you know, and like, wants to go run a mile or a couple miles or because that's what they fit and they see a turn on it. So yeah, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. but I always tell anybody, I'm like, if you're going to go running, make sure there's hills, just make sure there's hills. <laughs> Don't run on a straight plane forever. Right. Like make sure you have some sort of climb, right. make sure that you're pushing the envelope a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. And that downhill is a little, and I always tell them on the downhills, 
go as fast mm-hmm. as you can. Right. Don't put the brakes on because all you're going to do is you're going to jam your joints and it's just going to hurt. Right. Just let your body go and just kind of have a fun run down the hill. Right. It's not actually going to be that exerting. It's going up. Right. So, yeah. So people that are listening to this, don't say we didn't we did not sit here and saying running is dumb. Running doesn't help. <laughs> it does. But the whole thing, the, the bad part about running is that your body adapts. Mm-hmm. right? Once your body adapts and you got to push the envelope, you either got to go further or you got to go faster or you got to go harder. Right. So it's like, there's something that you have to change when it comes to, when it comes to the heart rate stuff, it's like, really it's, you're going as hard as you can. And then you stop, right. You go as hard as you can. Like you, there is no hiding from it where like, if you go, if you've never ran before and you go running right now, you're going to run a mile. You're going to think you're going to die. Right. But then six months down the line, you could run, you know, a half marathon and be like, this is fun, you know? So it's, you know, it just really depends on how your body adapts to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so again, we're not saying that running is bad. It's saying that in time, your body will adapt and it'll be harder to lose it as you, your body becomes more consistent at running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There you go. Plus like going out running, I mean, if you're going at a super slow intensity, like you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to run for, I don't know, 60, 90 minutes. I don't know, man. And I've I, tried. I don't know if I can go 60 <laughs> to 90 minutes. When we were soccer, when I played soccer, when I was like a buck 30, like, man, I could run for days. Now I'm <laughs> a lot heavier than that. My body doesn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. I do a lot of bike riding. I go a lot further, but you know, <laughs> it's not as hard. bike and like this gear it's they're much nicer to your joints that you're your point about like running down, downhill or all that stuff there's less wear and tear on your body right when you use those things mm-hmm. yeah okay. <laughs> well let's go on to the next question we got two more so this person wants to know do i run first or lift first all right martin you take you start with this one I want to hear you. I want to hear your thought process on the okay. run or lift first. Uh, well, I, I think it's just, it depends on your goal or it depends on the goal of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like if, if, if the goal of the day is for you to lift or like, if that's your big lift day, then obviously lift first and then go on a run after, because you want to be able to um, be well rested and have a bunch of energy for that lift. But like, let's say you're like running or it's a running day, then you might want to do it after because the focus of the day is running, not necessarily yeah. lifting, right? Like you got to set your priorities kind of straight. So what do you guys think? Um, well, I know for me, uh, the way I think about it, I think about it in terms of um, like developing athletes and like skill acquisition. Um, so for example, like if I'm doing speed and agility, you know, running, and accelerating and decelerating is actually really technical. Um, and the, you know, that's going to be a lot more demanding rather than going on doing strength training. Um, cause like strength training is a skill you have to be good at, you have to be able to be good at it. Um, but at that point it's like speed and agility is a lot more technical. Um, so since it's a little bit more demanding, I would put, probably put it first, but if you're looking at doing, strength training and then just doing cardio like i don't know like a 30 minute bike ride at that point from a skill acquisition standpoint strength training is going to be a lot more demanding um and the cardio you know it's not going to be as demanding so i'll probably put that second um what do you think jill 
I mean, you guys kind of both nailed it really. Um, I'll kind of combine both of what you guys said, but it really depends on the person and what they're doing. Right. So, um, but when it comes to what comes first or second, Brian, you couldn't have said any better, right? Like if you are working on change of direction, right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have an incident. You don't want to have, you don't want to put someone in a position of injury. So you're not going to have them go lift heavy weights and then go have them, you know, run as fast as they can and change direction and a drop of a hat, right? You do those high intensity output runs first, and then you'd go into the lift. But if you're looking at the average Joe, and I already said it kind of earlier in this podcast that the first thing to go is your power. Right. If I make you go run and come back, your power puts crap, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I also, I'm kind of curious if this, what this question meant is, do you use running for warm up? And I would just say, absolutely not. So we'll just get that out of the way right now. Um, but, uh, I think the, the perfect example of someone that is in a position of what should they do? Um, Martin already kind of touched, touched about it. Is it a running day or is it a lifting day? And that comes to, um, OCR, uh, athletes, which are obstacle course racing athletes, because, you know, it is a combination of obstacles, which come into a lot of upper body grip strength stuff and then full body lifts and then crawls and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it comes into distance running. Right. So there are those two things. So a lot of times what they do is they do strength training one day and the next day to do their running. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they have days in which they run. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they have run specifically to that day and it's never following or before it's always, okay, we're going to do this. But then like a couple hours later in the evening, Hey, make sure you just go hit your two mile run untimed. And it's right. like, okay, now, now we're going to do a run, a timed run this day. Um, maybe do some core stuff in the gym. If not, we're not sitting there doing a hundred percent, um, mm-hmm. on a, the barbell or something like that. So mm-hmm. it comes down to the athlete as well. It really, really does. Uh, but if it comes down to unspecific days, if we're going to program running and lifting in the same day, it really looks at the running you're doing and the lifting you're doing, right? Is it a high volume run? That's a high volume run you do it first. I would look at it um, because uh, it's the risk versus reward, right? So, I mean, we used to do it all the time, but we would never do it all the time. When I, when we, when I first had my athletes come into the weight room, it wasn't like, okay, Hey, you know, this is week one. So you're going to go to the bar. You can go as heavy as you can. We're going to go outside. We're going to run fifties. It was never like that because I knew as soon as that happened, I'm losing hamstrings. I'm losing something. Some, someone's going to get hurt. Right. So you got to kind of ease people into stuff like that. But um, when you're looking at high volume of athlete that can maybe pull that off. But even on those days, like the days where I would sprint my athletes and we had the gym or weight room first, we're just doing lower body mobility stuff, right? I, we're not going to sit there and be like, let's go heavy RDLs, single leg, you know, for 12 reps or whatever the hell mm-hmm. people would do. Right. So, um, yeah, running or lifting first again, depends, but, mm-hmm. uh, look at the volume and load and look at the athlete you're working with. Right. Right. That one's pretty, pretty much nailed. We have one last one, which I think was the most difficult one or the most interesting one, at least. What's the best way to get back into working out after back injury and still having chronic back pain? Let's make this one. <laughs> Go see a therapist and then yeah. let them know what your back pain is coming from and then get it fixed. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, well, I mean, yeah, oftentimes if you're if you're experiencing back pain, that probably means something's not going or something's not moving right or something, you're not lifting something correctly. 
Um, so if you're actually experiencing back pain currently, I would go check it out. Um, have a physical therapist check you out. Um, like, um, yeah, because a, as a strength and conditioning professionals like we are, um, you know, we can't work with somebody that's broken. You know, and it makes it really challenging when you're when you're trying to push somebody uh, or you're trying to push a stimulus on somebody and, you know, they can't do certain things because of their back aches or, you know, previous injuries. So I would say step one, probably go check it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it comes down to the pain, right? If it's just achy, right? Like, so, I mean, what is it like 85 percent? of the of the um united states suffers from back pain right or they suffer from some kind of pain right so it's either knee back or shoulder like Mm -hmm. those are like the three most common and then we can throw a neck if you want but like the back is the most common you know someone's like ah my lower back like even mine and i can tell you right now it's because i'm a high school strength conditioning coach that's why i have a bad back and i've been working every single day to get it right but um let's say they they if they're cleared right so say they had a back injury or whatever um and they come in and they're cleared to train but their back is just always sore i mean normally if i ever have a a client they automatically go through a screening right um and so the fms screening is the most common one and then my uh fra the functional range assessment screening is it's super long and, and intense but it really does get down to the nitty gritty of where the possibility of your pain is coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the joint by joint approach that, um, uh, was it Greg Rose, um, Mike Boyle and, uh, Greg Cook. Greg Cook. Thank you. Once they put together, right. So it's like, literally it's like, Oh, my, my knee hurts, which knee hurts. My left knee hurts. Oh, really? Did you ever hurt your right ankle? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. We got to fix that right ankle. Mm-hmm. Right. So like there's the, these things that you can kind of work with. Um, but yeah, put them through a screening to kind of see where their limitations are and why, right? Like pain is like Josh Hankin always says like pain is there for a reason. It tells you something, right? It's, it's letting you know something's wrong. Right. So, um, my physical therapist, like when I went in and I was, um, I'm like, yeah, my back's killing me. She literally worked on, it was like the most worst session I ever had. Um, but it was all hip flexor stuff. She's like, she's like, Joel, you sit at a desk a lot of times a day. Um, she's like, yeah, you do a lot of movements, but also you're a soccer guy. So when you're doing all these opening closing with your hips, like your hip flexors and you're, you're just, they're just done. Right. So mm-hmm. she worked on my hip flexors for a little bit and my back pain was gone like instantly. Mm-hmm. So even now if I have back pain, it's like, okay, let me work on my hip flexors. Right. So, um, or if my pelvis is out of whack. Right. So that, that's how I know that's how I get back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you really got to put the person through a screening. That's what I would say first. Um, and then you can see where they're limited, right? So you can see people with tight hamstrings. Okay, maybe that's the issue. You can see somebody that um, has a poor squat or a poor lunge or maybe their balance is off. You can um, measure to see uh, the length and see if their hips are off, right? You can do a lot of stuff. But, again, that really comes down to with experience, right? Because I worked as an athletic trainer. Um, I worked with a lot of chiropractors. You know, I worked with um, – a lot of stuff. So it's like, I kind of look at these things. I can kind of pinpoint it, but if the pain is continuous and it's chronic and it's just there, they have to have work that's done outside of us. Right. Because, um, Brian said it best, like you can't fix what's broken. Right. So they need to actually get some personal, like they might need to get an x-ray and MRI, right? Like sometimes just get it out of the way. If they, if they're like, Oh, there's nothing wrong. It's like, okay, then you have tight, something's tight. 
something's wrong. We've got to figure it out. Right. So, um, yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with delegating and going a different way and be like, Hey, you know what? This is outside of my practice. Cause the last thing we would want to do is take someone that has some sort of pain or some sort of injury and put them at risk. Right. So, um, but if someone's part of the job, if you're not finished, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I like that kind of, um, I think from a, from an acute setting, um, you know, if you're participating in exercise or resistance training and you start noticing that certain exercises, start triggering back pain um, and you see that over a long period of time, I think oftentimes people would just kind of disregard it and just be like, Oh no, I think it's just, um, you know, I think it's just, I've been, I slept wrong or whatever the case may be. Sometimes it might just be the exercise selection, you know, um, anthropometrically or, you know, just experience level. Sometimes individuals aren't ready for certain exercises and, um, you know, it's, it's okay to kind of push those exercises off for a while or not do them at all. Uh, if they constantly keep aggravating, um, your lower back, you know, so, um, I know from a coach, that's one of the most things, or that's one of the things that I do, uh, with some of the individuals that I work with, I constantly keep asking them like, Hey, like, how'd you feel that exercise? Or, you know, what muscles are you feeling? Or, you know, maybe like the following session, I always ask them like, Hey, how is your body feeling? Um, and then just kind of like those key notes, oftentimes give me a lot of information in terms of, you know, are these the exercises that I should be doing with these individuals? If, you know, they're telling me that like they constantly keep having lower back pain, that probably tells me a little bit about um, my exercise selection and, you know, that exercise is actually correct for the, the person that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the exercise selection is a really good one. Oh, sorry, my knee just popped. Um, exercise selection is a really good one, especially if you're going to load the lower back, mm-hmm. right? That's the kind of scary one. Uh, you know, like people are doing RDLs and stuff like that. And then, um, what was I, what was I getting at? Uh, and when you read um, research like on Stuart McGill and stuff like that, and people always like, he is like the back expert of the world. Right. And he has a list of exercises like you should never do. Right. Like, don't ever do these. Right. And this is how you should move. This is how you should do it. So, and I think a lot of that comes down to ego. Right. Cause I'll tell you right now um, when my back would hurt and I knew an exercise was going to inflame it or irritate it, I would do it just because I, I'm an egomaniac, right? So, or I was, I'll like to say I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, well, I'm going to do, uh, you know, these muscle snatches, which if you've never done a muscle snatch, you're, you're the load on the lower back is, is pretty intense. So, um, but that's why it's like, um, going through the screening process, seeing where the problems are. And then if you go through that screening, right, if you do the FMS or if you do, um, the FRA, it literally will kind of give you a roadmap, right? So, um, and it will give you the list of exercises you shouldn't do. Right. And a lot of times I like to tell everybody, I'm like, if you're having lower back pain, um, try and switch and just do unilateral, unilateral exercises. Right. Like, um, and the reason I say that is it actually helps adjust the pelvis, right? Cause sometimes if your pelvis is locked and it's super tight, um, 
when you do those uh, unilateral exercises where you're doing lunges or single leg squats, your the hip will shift and your pelvis will actually open up and loosen up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that's actually had some big success. Um, I don't know any science behind it or anything like that. I've just seen it be much more common when I have someone with really severe lower back pain or something like that. It's like, okay, um, instead of doing squats, we're actually going to do lunges. And they're like, yeah, I have no back pain. It feels great. So I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, um, but lower back pain is no joke because if you ignore it, it's just going to get worse or it's going to be there forever. And you don't want to have chronic back pain forever. That just sucks. Yeah. And I think you mentioned earlier, Joel, it's like your body is going to tell you these things. You just can't have an ego not to listen. Um, you know, it's going to give you signs. You just got to make sure you pay attention. Yeah. Pain is a pain is an indicator. Like, right. Pain tells you something like if you have a toothache, you know, it's telling you, you probably have a cavity or you got some work that needs to be done. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so like, why are you going to ignore it when your lower back hurts or if your knee hurts or if your shoulder hurts? Right. So it's like, it's like, there are professionals in this world that specialize and have gone to school for seven years or whatever it would be to make sure that they could help you. So it's like, why not help them? Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you also have to find the right professional. that's going to pretty much give you it straight up and is going to give you as much help as you can. And, um, some like I know a lot of coaches, right. That, that they don't want to admit they don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that to me is poor practice. That's to me is mm-hmm. poor coaching. So you need to have, like, I have a physical therapist that I, if someone needs a physical therapist, I know the person to take them to, right. Like I know exactly who it is, right. Chiropractor. I got one of my belt. Like mm-hmm. I have those things set up. And so I want to have, I want my clients and my people that I work with to have the best experience as possible right? Cause this whole thing is about helping people. Right. And, um, and I've, I've met physical therapists that they literally will just kind of like keep them. It feels like it almost like they drag on like, Oh yeah, no, you need to see me, you know, three times a week. Oh, okay. Now we're going to fix this problem, this problem, that. So it's like, mm-hmm. you should not be in physical therapy for six months. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you just came out of a car wreck and you have 17 different broken, but like, like depending on your injury, I'll say that, but you shouldn't be going to a physical therapist forever. Right. Like mm-hmm. if that's the case, then either you're doing something wrong or they're doing something wrong. Someone's at fault, right? Like your body is made to adapt and is made to improve. That's what you're, that's why we are the way we are. Like our body like if you tear <laughs> in this case it's like you need to find those professionals you trust and that are looking to get them back to activities soon yeah so i think we uh we got that one all covered up yeah and i i mean i think you guys bring yeah. up any more yeah, yeah. I just want to say something really quick. Like, I think you guys bring up a great point in terms of pain. Like, there's there's this whole culture of like no pain, no gain. But that like that that's not true, right? Like, you should you should never be in pain. Pain is not normal. And and I think you guys nailed it. If uh, if you have pain, go get referred. Once you get referred and you get cleared by by a professional, because we're not professionals in dealing with those types of things. Even though some like some coaches for some reason think that they're like physical therapists all of a sudden. Like, we're not professionals. Uh, so get uh, go go to a physical therapist, go to a specialist. Once they clear you and they they come and they're clear to train with you, uh, put them through the screen, like Joel said. And once you kind of you're able to identify the the problem, then work around it, and then just do what feels right for the person. 
And I, I think that's why it's so important also to invest in continuing education because then you start to to learn these new um, these new methods or, or all these other things that you can apply for these people, right? Because like, and, and I think like I've learned a lot from like uh, more than a lot from DVRT and from from uh, from doing the lift certification and from hanging around with you guys and just seeing how you guys deal with different problems. Because to me, hanging around with you guys and being able to um, put this podcast together, that this is like a learning investment for myself because I see how you guys are dealing with different issues. Um, so just continue learning and uh, kind of stay in your lane. And uh, in, in terms of don't act like a doctor because you're not a doctor and don't normalize pain. Like no pain, no gain is, is fake. And I think, I think it needs to be said. It's, it's not, it's not a real thing. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between pain and discomfort, right? Yes. Like I've been in pain. Like, I mean, I've gone through sprints where it feels like, like my back ones. Not, I'm not talking about back pains, you know, like when you get like the cramps, you know, or like spasms and stuff like that. And you're breathing. It feels like your lungs are ripping in half. <laughs> That's painful you know, but it's really just high intense discomfort, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So like there's a difference between pain and discomfort. So it's like, there's the whole pain is uh, weakness leaving the body. It's like, no, it's not, you know, it's like, I mean, I mean, they're all different levels of pain. That's like when someone uh, comes to me and they're like, Oh, I'm really, uh, my legs hurt really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Like from yesterday that hurt so bad. I'm like, okay, there's a difference between pain and soreness. Right. Like, what is it? It's like, it's sore. Okay. Got it. <laughs> you know, like it's just very, very uncomfortable. But, um, so it's like, you, you got to kind of put those like words in people's heads so they understand it. Right. It's like, okay, what we're going to do is not going to make you worse. It's not going to hurt it anymore. Um, it's going to, it's not going to be comfortable, but it's the part of the process. Right. So, um, I mean, everyone knows the difference between pain and, and discomfort. So that's, so I guess we, you can look at it when someone's talking to you about it. In, in terms of soreness, can we just all agree that soreness isn't normal? Like you shouldn't be sore all the time. <laughs> like you you should be if you're undertrained in certain body parts, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to – I understand what Martin's saying. So one of the, the big things, right, like someone's like, oh, yeah, I like feeling sore. and It means mm-hmm. that I did work. But it's like, no, actually, like soreness after like two to three weeks just means you have poor programming, right? Like <laughs> your programming's bad. Right. Yeah. Like that's just, that's how it is. Right. And so mm-hmm. I remember I would get mad, not at my athletes, but at myself, if I did something, an exercise and they're like, Oh man, we're so sore. I'm like, damn it. There's something I'm missing. When I would go back and look at my program, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, I haven't put a lot of rotation work in there. Oh my gosh. I haven't put a lot of, you know, it's like whatever it would be. Right. And rotation was the biggest one. Right. Cause we had, you know, um, I remember doing that and their obliques are just killing them. So I'm just like, Oh, okay. The medicine ball tosses and stuff like that. That's going to mm-hmm. get them. So making sure that if you are sore, it's because some, some part of your body is being overtrained or undertrained. Mm-hmm. Right. So that risk for injury but in the first two weeks of your program you should be pretty sore because you haven't done anything <laughs> so your body's going to react that way i still remember this one time you're like if you want to feel sore just don't do anything for a week or so and then train and you're going to be like super yeah sore. yeah don't don't do anything for a week and then do like 12 reps at 80 yeah. percent you'll be and then get jello leg you'll be fine yeah <laughs> And you can even take it outside of training. It's like, I'm pretty sure, you know, like anybody started a new job, you know, and they go from their old job to their new job. They're like, they go through their first day and they're like, why am I so tired? Oh yeah. They're like, why am I so sore? You know, so it doesn't necessarily just need to be 
uh, training related. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, fatigue and soreness kind of is a, more of a general term than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like also adapting, right? So over time, your body's going to adapt and mm-hmm. it's going to understand what you're doing. So, you know, your stabilizer muscles and your ligaments and tendons, stuff like that get stronger and they get, they adapt, right? Like the more pressure and more stress you put on them, the more they're going to grow and overlap, right? Not so much, um, uh, tendons, um, wait, lig- ligaments, sorry, <laughs> ligaments. They don't really, they, they stay stretched, but like tendons, you know, they'll grow and they'll get stronger and they'll be more stable. Right. So, mm-hmm you know you gotta train those things too <clears throat> I think a lot of it just has to do with like it's one of the, I, think, and, I think will Fleming said it it's like it's one of the first few things that you notice whenever you start training so you kind of tend to connect that with like a good training session you're sore and then you sweat because that's another big thing too like people think that if you don't sweat like you're not doing any work but i mean we yeah. isn't true i mean like well no it's you definitely know, true because i i I know when we've trained, right? Like Martin, you'll, you'll sweat just by picking something up. And, uh, I remember there was times where I'm just like, we are not using the same area, like get away from me. Right. So it's like, I, I, like, I don't sweat that much as I'm getting older. I'm finding myself that I'll sweat more. But like when I was younger, I remember I used to be playing soccer and running around doing whatever. And I would, I remember the first time I felt a bead of sweat come down my face and I was like, Whoa, what's that? And like, it was kind of like, like, I was like, that's interesting. Um, but like, even now I don't sweat that much, but, and I'll work hard. I'll work a lot of people sometimes if, if I'm motivated to, but, uh, um, just because I'm not sweating doesn't mean I'm not working, you know, it's like, you know, and I always come down to like, that's poor coaching. Someone somewhere down the line taught them that. Right. So, uh, so this is what it is. So you just got to try and influence the, the good coaching and take out the bad. Well, um, I think we covered all the questions. Do you guys want to add anything else before we end the, the podcast? Um, I don't know. Uh, what are some, uh, are you guys reading anything new, any good book recommendations for this upcoming 2021? <laughs> um, I'm reading, what is it sports gene i know you read it so i bought it i'm like halfway through with it no the sports gene yeah so that book's yeah really, sport gene really yeah cool. if you're yeah if you're really into uh how the body works and kind of like the adaptivity of of sports and kind of like why athletes are good at certain things and why aren't goods at another like you know, what makes the difference between a pro to a, you know, to a modest athlete, right? Like that book is phenomenal. That one blew me away. That was probably one of my best mm-hmm. reads of 2020. Yeah. I read 2020. I'm, uh, I'm in 2019. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm halfway through, uh, shoe dog by, uh, Oh, Phil. Yeah. Phil Knight story, right? Yeah. So I'm yeah how's that one? So it's a, it, it, it's, I mean, it's a cool book, you know, it walks you through his life and some of the experiences he had. Um, I mean, obviously some of the struggles he had. Um, so I don't know if you guys have read it before. No, I actually haven't. I've, I know a lot of people that have read it and I've heard it's good. So, mm-hmm. um, it'll probably be one that I'll, I'll, I'll put that down on my 2021 20, list. Mm-hmm. That'll be kind of fun. Um, let me see. This one is really good. So I'm reading a couple of them right now. I'm actually in between three books right now, but uh, this one is probably the one that I like a lot right now. The art of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. This book is awesome. Right. Uh, I think I posted something about it already um, on my social media, but uh, literally it just talks about, you know, it's like 
um, the, the biggest, like it starts off talking about a carousel, right? It's like, everyone knows what a carousel is, right? Mm -hmm. So you go on, you get on a carousel, you know, it's going to go around and around and it's going to go up and down and it's going to end at some point. Right. So that's how a lot of people live their life. They live their life on a carousel, Mm -hmm. right? So they know what to expect, wake up every day, they ride the carousel and they go to sleep. Right. So the uncertainty Mm -hmm. means it's like, all those that have been successful, all those have reached happiness in their life is they're like, well, what, what about that ride? I wonder what that one's like. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. if you go ride it and you hate it, you'll never ride it again. Mm-hmm. But if you go and you ride it and you like it, it just opened up a whole new world, right. That opened up a whole new, um, I guess you can say experience, yeah. you know, and you just grew. Right. So it's like, you know, uncertainty is growth in a sense. Right. So I, I thought it so far it's, it's been pretty awesome, but, um, I, I literally have only been like read like the introduction, like the first chapter, but, uh, that one. And then the wise is F, um, that one's a, the other one I'm reading right now. And then, um, uh, lies of the Stoics. That's the, uh, I'm getting a lot into the philosophy world. So the lies of the Stoics by Ryan holidays, mm-hmm. pretty cool to see where everything came from and how it evolved into where it is now. Yeah. But yeah, if I had to, uh, well, me, the art of uncertainty by Dennis Merritt Jones. Yeah, I'm gonna check that one out. Um, it's pretty good so far. I think my Martin, I think you might be able to back me up on this one. Um, one of the big things, I guess, like one of the big things that people say um, at CSUN or California State University Northridge, um, there's this really, I guess, famous professor at CSUN. Uh, one of his biggest things is, you know, you have to be able to be uh, comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Um, so I'm pretty sure the art of uncertainty kind of touches up on that, that same subject, you know, just not living yourself on a carousel, but, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and just kind of dealing with it um, as best you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations to, with a purpose, right? To, to grow and to continue just growing as a, as a person, as an individual, because I mean, like the, the older I get, like the, the, the more I realize that we're only here like once. So it's like, you, you only have one try to make this like as best as possible. So um, for sure, get off that carousel and go, go on some other, other rides as well to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anything else? About, you uh, um, I know that we're, yeah. What about, um, let's look into, cause I know there's probably coaches that will listen to this podcast as long as much as, uh, athletes and just fitness yeah. enthusiasts. Um, or is there any, uh, new certifications or any new continuing education that you'd recommend? So I know we've already talked about like TVRT and lift. And then we talked about, uh, um, FMS and the FRA screenings. Um, anything else do you recommend to the new uh, fitness pro that might be, uh, joining our circle of fitness professionals? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so for sure lift, I, I think I'm like 50% done with it. So if you guys want to get a really good certification, invest in lift. I'm, I'm looking into the FRC or is it FRA, but it's really expensive. F- well, I'm saying yeah. That. <laughs> hey, yeah, there's FRC. You got to take FRC before you can take any of their continued, uh, um, certs, but yeah, FRC is the functional range conditioning before you can move on. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know the one I'm really looking forward to is uh, Will Fleming. Fleming, Will Fleming. Uh, he, I think he has a weightlifting certification coming out or a weightlifting book. Um, so I'm really oh, yeah. looking forward to that one. 
I know um, weightlifting is probably one of the most technical uh, sporting movements you can probably do. Um, so it always helps when you can find quality information out there um, from somebody that's been there and done it. Yeah, and probably one of the best coaches out there is Will Fleming. I mean, you can't really get much better than him when it comes to it. Um, right now, I don't even uh, – I just finished um, – or I'm in the process of finishing my USAW two. Uh, um, but I really want to get back into the like uh, whole strong first stuff, you know, or Russian kettlebell certifications. Um, I just want to like pretty much exactly like Brian touched on is, you know, when you're throwing, you know, three, 400 pounds around, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be technical, not just for performance, but for safety. Right. And mm -hmm. so, uh, same thing with kettlebells, right? Like people look at it as a ball and a handle, but you know, it's like a dumbbell. It's just, you know, two weights, two plates and a, and a handle. So, mm -hmm. um, trying to get back on that to make sure, because, you know, uh, kettlebells is all about technique, right? Mm -hmm. Like technique and flow, things like that. So I'm trying to, I would like to get into, learn a little bit more of that be more specific into it. So, but just like I'm in the same uh, path as Martin is dang, it's expensive right <laughs> now, right now. They don't, they don't do the online uh, uh, kettlebell stuff. So it's like everything has to be in person. So everything's mm -hmm. kind of been delayed. Um, I was supposed to do it in Chicago back in October, but that mm -hmm. one got canceled. So um, uh, I'll be able yeah. to do it in 2021, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully everything goes back to normal in uh, yep. 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's all going to say, it's going to be like a light switch. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like nothing like 2020 never existed. Right. <sighs> all right guys. Well, there you have it. Um, guys, where, where can people find you guys? Cause I know, I know I'm going to get a bunch of questions. I'll tag you on the post. Once I post it, we'll be available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, but where can uh, people find you guys? on Instagram or what's your handle or YouTube or whatever information you guys want to share. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's bmore.fit. Um, I'm going to try to get a little bit more active on Instagram. Um, you know, try to provide a little bit more, uh, educational, um, content along with, um, you know, exercises and some of the explanations on there. So if, uh, people are looking for, uh, educational content and exercise selections. Um, it's definitely a, a place to hit up. Uh, yeah, you can kind of find me on almost all uh, social media platforms. Um, but uh, just Joel Gun Ten. Uh, Ten is one zero. So um, at whatever. I mean at Joel Gun Ten, right? So Joel Gunnerman Ten, but just Joel Gun Ten. <laughs> um, and then I have a website at joelgunnerman.com. Um, so I need to revamp that a little bit. Uh, I've kind of stepped away from it. I'll, I'll be back on that and I'll be posting uh, merchandise and stuff like that on there too. If, if anyone's interested in having some swag, but um, yeah, you can find me on there. Same thing. Uh, I do a lot of motivational posts and then I do a lot of um, pretty much like book reviews and then uh, certification reviews along with um, exercises, breakdowns, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun especially with this whole COVID thing. It's kind of been the only thing keeping a lot of people sane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Very good. Cool. I hope to see you guys soon. I hope we get to train together uh, whenever we can. Yeah. Um, Hopefully let's, let's shoot for next week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's make 2021 uh, 
with full of densities. We'll just start twenty um, January first. We're just going to go uh, densities. <laughs> just after going to bed at like one in the morning, we're going to do the density at 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 uh, we'll do it at five o'clock at Be More Fit headquarters. <laughs> yeah, I'm already looking forward to it. Play some um, dubstep to get those neighbors away. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks. Thank you guys for obviously giving me some of your time and giving the listeners some of your time as well. Um, so remember, I will tag uh, both Joel and Brian on this post. Um, it's going to be available everywhere. So uh, thank you guys for sharing all your knowledge. And hope you guys have a great rest of your day. See you guys. Thanks. All right. Later, guys.